Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show where I am once again joined by my host with the most, a man who this week, for our Eid celebrations, completely ignored his friends and family <laughs> because he was out celebrating the Bulldogs' victory. Gee, how are you going? Hey, it's I'm, such a rare... i a massive fortnight. Yep, same as me. So I'm a little bit, you know, tired and, and relieved that a lot of this stuff's over. But the celebrations about the Bulldogs, you know, fifth win in about five years was, was gigantic. It was like Super Bowl. So, G, another massive week in the NRL for news. What, what caught your eye this week before I kick off? I've honestly, as usual, I have struggled to keep up with the news by that you haven't paid attention no to i mean uh, moving houses kind of stopped me from paying attention unfortunately but um yeah so nothing nothing and, in particular and what, do you, what do you think about this super league thing do you think it'll take off i think super league will be great and i think rupert murdoch um will take rugby league to the next level oh brilliant <laughs> i think that's quite an accurate prediction of what will happen once you get once you get through the 97 season all right shall we kick off with the news this week yes it's good to, absolutely it's good to hear you've settled in Thank you. Fantastic. All right. Yes. First cab off the rank this week yeah. is George Piggins. Yes. Did you read this? No. George, Georgie, Georgie used to own Arcadia Nursery yet in Mascot when I was growing up. Yep. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, he's also back at South. Adam Dimitriou asked him to come back and witness training, and he did. So that was that. He's, it seems like there's some peace being. That's made there. actually a nice thing. He's a he's a very old school guy, Georgie Piggins, and he you know really gives a start, gives really cares about South deeply. So it's good to see him ba- back in the fold there at the Rabbits. Okay, so let's continue with some good news then, shall we? It's good to see George Piggins. He, if those for our younger listeners, he not single handedly because there was a there was there was a few people involved in in keeping Souths, getting Souths back into the comp, but he was right there. They were dead without Georgie Absolutely. Piggins. Absolutely. All right, let's continue on the same vein with some good news. Did you read the story about Anthony Maroon and James Hooper and Paul Kent on Triple M? No, but I'm interested to find out what that was about. So Hooper yes. and Kent were making jokes about some sort of tax issue or something that Anthony Maroon is alleged to have had. <laughs> And it's clearly sensitive topic. And yes. apparently Anthony Maroon has complained to management and to them and asked them to stop. Wow. And and he absolutely blew up on air, walked out of the station. Wow, that's awesome. And he said, if that's, if that's the way you want to play it, he then had a dig at James Hooper about the fact that he hasn't had a driver's license for three years. <laughs> so, so that means that if James Hooper wants to interview Zane Musgrove, that's not going to ever happen, is it? No, no, not unless they both catch an Uber to Milpera Park. <laughs> wow, okay, taking shots at people. Go James Hooper. Well, what about Anthony Maroon, who the story was about? Do you know who Anthony Maroon is? Yeah, he's the caller for um, Triple M. Yeah, yeah, Triple M. Yeah, okay, I just want to check. Yeah, right? I do. Um, <laughs> it must be really an ultra-sensitive topic for him to just get the shits and walk out. I mean, that's pretty major. That that's If you think about it, it hasn't really happened. And their plan B was to get Paul Kent to host the show. Oh, God, Jesus. Okay. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Has anyone watched NRL 360? Have you seen on taxi? Mate, let me tell you, when you've got a show where Brayton Asta actually comes across as the reasonable one... He actually... <laughs> hey, I'm with you. Brayton Asta... He's done a good job. He, he's done a good job. He's been really good. He's been really good. And in good. fact, uh, you wrong. know, everyone knows I'm a Bulldogs fan, but his assessment and discussion with Michael Ennis about it was actually one of the more insightful discussions I've read or seen anywhere. So they've done well, a good prop, job. The prop, 
Here's the problem we've got in the media, right? Here's, here's actually the problem we've got in the media. We've got a whole host of people who are fans. The, the reporters are fans of the sport. They don't have a critical eye to actually what is going on on the field. Yeah, I would say so. The tactics yeah, of it no, not to how the game's actually no. played. You know, the NBA's covered in a similar way. Yeah, to some degree it is. No, no, not to some degree. I mean, there's, there's even Zach Lowe's dropped off. Like, the, their understanding of the X's and O's is not as... Not as not is nowhere really. No, you've got to go to the dark depths of the internet to get those that real sort of X's and O's. But it's almost really too heavy. Do you, do you have any Do you have any tips for our listeners in terms of the dark web and the NRL? Well, no, not not for the NRL. But they've got to go to the dark web and find these sort of you know analytical sort of discuss, analytical discussion. But it's it becomes so technical that it takes saps the enjoyment out of some of the games. So no one really has much of a balance anymore. So it's hard to find. I think that's fair enough. All right, well, let's keep moving with the news. Um, the story was leaked about Payne Haas. He's back in the news. Of course, he's in the news every other week. He is, but this time Chris Orr, his former agent, yep. is suing him oh, God. for 200 k yep. Of course. Um, and it came up during the trial that, or the papers for the trial that, the, that there was an alleged driving offence in 2019 that was hushed up. Of course it was. Um, Payne Haas has signed with new management. There's some pretty... Interesting allegations on both sides with what's going on here. It's really gone pear-shaped. It's in the courts. Yeah. Tyron Smith has is building a, Remus's dad is building a stable of stars with his with his um you know his in, infamously named player management agency. <laughs> you could say that twenty times and it just makes me laugh. Sorry, Tyron. Tyron. What should we call this? A pencil. You know what? That's 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 um Randwick Boys education back in the nineties. Come on, that's right, come that's on, right. Tyrant. So, did you did you did you catch this story? I'm going to say this after every story, knowing full. No, well but I'm I'm more interested in whether white shoes Haas was wearing white shoes or not. Do you reckon he's suing him because he stepped on his new Air Jordan? You know my view on this. Depends on the shoe. Depends on the shoes. It's just look. He he's a marquee player. So anytime you, I suppose, either poach. Well, that's why he hasn't bring... signed the new contract either, right? Because they yeah. Who's going to get the commission on it? So. It's all been He's one of the bigger players, so the commission's one of the bigger ones you're going to get. Well, there's all sorts of allegations on that front as well that, that allegedly they got him to sign new contracts with higher commissions and all this sort of stuff. So it's quite a, quite a juicy, juicy wow. uh, okay. tale if you, um, if you get into it. Former NRL CEO David Moffat was interviewed yeah. during the week. Did you see that? No, but I used to like David Moffat. I <laughs> thought he was actually all right as a CEO, but he was... Always treated as an outsider because he came from rugby. He absolutely hammered Wayne Bennett in the interview. <laughs> he said he thought it was all about him and he didn't like him and he got on with the others better because they were more open like Brian Smith. As time has gone on, either Wayne has gotten older and grumpier, doesn't give a shit anymore like a lot of old people do, or he's always been like that. It's just become more prominent. Um, whereas I always thought Brian Smith was a little bit more open... Uh, more engaging, really sort of more of... It felt like more of a student and a teacher of the game. And you'd listen to him on ABC commentary. And Brian Smith always came across as a little bit more open and engaging about the sport. Well, he was an X's and O's coach. Very technical coach. But you, you learn a lot from him listening to him. So it's, it's interesting you had a great way listeners better. learn a lot from listening to you. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. I'll have to send out a poll. Oh, what, what, what social media platform will you use to send out your poll, G? I don't know. What do we use at work? Uh, what is it? Men- Menti? Grindr. Menti. No, not Grindr. Menti. Okay. All right. Shall we move on to the stadium debacle that was the week? <laughs> where Pete, where the emperor challenged 
Dominic Perrottet and Perrottet gave it back to him and actually PVL backed down. Didn't this happen last week? I've seen it. As well? It, it's continued. It continued. Oh, and God. they've okay. now, in the last 24 hours, reached an agreement, which they already had. <laughs> it's pretty well, the, the New South Wales government's committed to spending the $800 million. PVL made all this song and dance about it over the last week and a half, said, we're going to take the grand final elsewhere. And yeah. then, again, the media has come out today and said, what a great... He's running the sport so well. It's like the Channel 9 TV contract. Yes. He's gotten $800 million out of the government. But they yeah? already did have that to do the suburban Which is the grounds. same $800 million they had committed to yeah, last okay. year. All right. Critical analysis isn't the best part of rugby league coverage, is it? So, can we stay on the stadium? Yes, we can. Okay. So, there's $900 million has been spent on the new Sydney football stadium. Yes. It has roughly the same capacity as the old football stadium. I would have expected. Are you with me still? Yes, I would have expected it to be maybe ten thousand more up to so sixty thousand. So you've done, you've done roughly, roughly. Yeah. You've done, you've done quite a good job. You've sung it from the rooftops, upgraded the stadium, etc., etc. And you know what they forgot to do, G? Oh, I don't want to. I don't think I want to hear this. Yeah, go. What they forgot about parking. So as part of getting, <laughs> as part of getting, it's getting the worst the place to get approved, to. No, but it's going to get better because as part of getting the new stadium build approved, the way they got it through council was they agreed not to let patrons park. Oh, more park on the grass. Yes, a more park. Yep. How many cars do you reckon that holds? Ten thousand? Five thousand? I don't know about ten thousand, but probably five. It'll be close to. It'll be a few thousand for sure. Oh, well, I'm sure the Fox Sports Studio precinct can handle another 5,000 cars. <laughs> yeah, of course. If they stack them on top of each other, if it's Matchbox cars, they can. God. Who does this? Who builds a stadium and doesn't think about the parking? There's no parking anywhere around there at all. Like zero. So you've got the same stadium. A new version of the old stadium with the same capacity and less parking. And less parking overall because the council's taken away a lot of the parking around that area so or that precinct. So I don't know. That's, that, that's going to be a big problem, a massive problem. It is, but they're talking to the government about it to see if they can get it reversed, the decision. They should email PVL. They should email. He'll sort it out. Absolutely. Yeah, he will. He will. All right. Um, Staying on the stadiums, yeah? So Roosters versus Souths looks like it will open the new stadium in Sydney on the 2nd of September. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Traditional rivalry. I think that's a great great one to open, I reckon. Second was second was obviously the Bulldogs versus West Tigers of course, for the wooden spoon. Of course, yes. Yeah, I mean, you have to have the Roosters and the Rabbits. That's traditionally where they both used to play, or very close to. So it, it's good that they're, they're going to be the two teams playing. It'll be exciting. You know, it will be. But let me tell you a little bit about that game. So the rumour is Souths are going to move back to the new SFS. And the Roosters have reacted to this by lobbying the New South Wales government directly to keep them at ACOR. They have gone to Dominic Perrottet <laughs> and Stuart Ayres and said nothing. They're not lobbying about their own club. They're saying South should stay at Acor. I don't even know what to say about that. You know what? The Roosters are always I active. love the pettiness of it. I though. love it. The, the Roosters are very petty. Petty. Very, very petty. Any team, if you've noticed, that's challenging them at any point in time over the last 20 years, there's like petty um, media attacks and all sorts of things. Because, you know, they're, they're protective of their club. You've got Nick, Nick Polides who loves it so much. Shall we move on to some player news? Yes. Okay. Let's start, let's start with some of the rumours. or and some, some of them are, are confirmed. Cody Nikarima to Souths. Yeah, oh, look, I think he's a great... He can be a, a fantastic player, but he needs to play in the right system. Do you reckon? I think this is a great signing. Lachlan Ilias is, will be good, but he's not ready yet. 
they, they, they had their issues with Anthony Milford. If they can get an early release and he comes across this year, I reckon this is... Oh, if you're talking well, about if early it's release... It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed whether it's an early well, release Well, why would he stay? Yeah, They've that, got that Ash be... Taylor, Sean Johnson... You, you, you seriously haven't followed the news this week, have you? Because, because Ash, Taylor, Ash Taylor has retired. Oh, shit. Okay, that explains the Dejan Arcee move. So I did see the Asian yeah. move. Ash Taylor's retired because of his hips. He never quite reached the heights, but there's there are a couple of the news coming out of the Warriors. Well, wow. okay. Um, poor Ash Taylor, right? Yeah, I was going to say very sad to hear him retire so young and because hips of hips injury. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's it's quite that's an old 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 man injury. I've had a go at him about you know his weight and stuff like that before because you want to see him reach his potential, really, and I think that's what was stopping him, but. If he might have had that problem because of the hips, maybe he wasn't able to train. But you never read about that, right? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I think Cody Nikarima also is good to South, and I think that'll work for both clubs. But uh, good news for the Warriors: Reese Walsh has indicated he wants to stay with the Warriors in 2023, turning down overtures from Skeletor, aka Wayne Bennett. <laughs> yeah, so he doesn't want to join Skeletor's castle. No, I think Reese Walsh is should stay at the Warriors. I think he's got a permanent position position there and they're going to build around him as well so sorry and the Cody Nicarima thing I think if like you say early release that would really benefit South a lot oh yeah they'd be right back in the top absolutely that, I absolutely um other news given they've now looked like they've missed out on Reese Walsh as well yep um the the Dolphins look like they're targeting Dave Fafita and the Broncos look like they're targeting Cam Munster to play along Adam Reynolds wow okay so Cam Munster's basically that was the secret team the Broncos it looks like um Adam Reynolds and Cam Munster would be a great... And Cam Munster was secretly revealed that he's talking to the Broncos or wants to talk to the Broncos. It was very secret. Um, it was announced on NRL 360 by a person that may or may not be his manager and host of the show. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. I love it. It's, it's <laughs> I the love best. it. It's the best. Wow. Wow, I thought that was some kind of secret meeting that came out. Not his player manager happened to announce it on NRL 360 as a host. Yeah, correct. Look, I think that'd be a great signing for Brisbane. I would absolutely go for it. And what about Fafita to the Dolphins? Unless they're pa- if unless they're paying him, he's not worth more than. I was going to say, if I were the Titans, I would actually move him straight away. Straight away, I love him. Hey, Wayne, don't play him in the centres. Yeah. Look, Fafita, when he's destructive, he actually is amazing to watch. Some of the stuff he does. But in a sport that's getting quicker, he actually lacks agility and a little bit of fitness at times. So he, he can be a liability. A yeah, kilos. but God, he can, he's great to watch sometimes. So I'd, I'd actually send him off if I were the Titans. Yeah well, yeah, well, I mean, luckily you're not running the Titans. Otherwise, they'd be even worse than what they are now. They'd be a lot better. And this was an interesting one, right? Luke Garner has been announced to go to the Panthers. You know what? Good signing. I think. Repl- replacing Kikau? Yep. I think it's a good signing. Now, the problem is Kikau is still not registered for 2023 because you need to clear your cab. <laughs> the Bulldog- the Bulldogs will sort it out. Phil Gould will sort that out. What you will find is if you pop into Canterbury League Club, you might find Kikau... Um, Serving behind the counter. <laughs> working the walk. Working the walk at Dynasty Chinese Restaurant. I think it's a good signing because Luke Garner is quite an athletic and fast player and they've had success with Scott Sorensen and Jamin Salmon who are part of their sort of key 17 who other teams sort of didn't find use for. So I think the Panthers will get the best out of him. Good signing. And a good signing, but I think the whole kick out not being registered for 2023, reeks, uh, I'm a little bit worried about that, but we'll see what happens there. I'm yeah, our salary cap um, at the moment, it's got a bit of flex in it. I like, I, I like whatever material they're using. <laughs> 
It's it's elastic. Your recruitment. Can we contrast your recruitment to another club? Yes. That is possibly not as flexible and not as good as the Bulldogs yes. are at recruiting, and that would be Parramatta. <laughs> Mitch Moses is testing his value in the market from the first of November, seeking a million dollars a year. If you remember from a couple well, of weeks yes. ago, they announced him yes. signed for long term, but the, it was options in Mitch's favour, so. He can actually opt out of it and test his market, and he wants a million dollars a year, which will break the salary structure at Parramatta. Given our incredible recruitment over the last 12 months and how well we've managed everything, what could possibly go wrong with Mitch Moses testing his market not, value? Not much, except he'd probably get offered 800 I look forward yes. to him signing to the Bulldogs as their new halfback on $27,000 a year and all-you-can-eat at Dynasty. Yeah, of course, and then Parra would actually offer him a trade-and-trial contract. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's sad that my, it's sad that my own team is so pathetic. At first, I didn't think he'd get that money, but you know what? I have a feeling there's a couple there's not of teams. Good halfbacks around. Yeah, I think there's a couple of teams that might take the take the risk. How many great halfbacks are there? There's only six not or seven many. good halfbacks. If you're the, the Raiders, if you're the Raiders, if you're the Bulldogs, well, yeah, if we've still got salary and you've got an unlimited space. salary cap. All right, can I keep going with the player news? God, how many news? How much news is there? There's heaps. Um, Para have been linked with Jackson Paulo and Herbie Farnworth. Herbie's also been linked with the Dolphins. Para is a desperate need of outside backs. Yes, Herbie Farnworth would be a good sign. He's really sort of Herbie Farnworth would be the Broncos best. in a way would lose out if he was on with Para because they've kind of you know he's matured with them. He's gone through his growing pains. He was really well, they young. They brought him out from the UK when he was like fourteen or something, didn't they? Yeah. It'd be sad for him to leave, but that's how it goes. But it'd be a good signing. He's tall, he's athletic, he's fast, and now he's defensively much more solid than he was before. So good luck, Para. I think they're the type of players they need to sign. All right. Let's turn now to a couple of sad stories. And one of them's another disgraceful story. But the first one is Chanel Harris-Tavita, in that loss against Melbourne, it's been revealed, played with a ruptured testicle for 45 minutes. He's out for four weeks. How wasn't that picked up? Now, a little known fact that you rock up every week to this pod with two ruptured Correct, testicles. Correct, that's right. And you've shown no concern whatsoever. So um, a bit like I that. Have, it sounds, uh, that's not true. I've laughed. It sounds like you should be working for the Warriors Medical <laughs> Why would you send him out? I don't Especially know. When it's, that's crazy. It's 70 to 10, you lost the second half 54-0. Perhaps at 18, after three tries in the second half, you'd sub him off. Tough kid, though. Uh, crazy, actually. Crazy. PNG has launched a bid after listening to your course, various yes, attempts yes. to get an 18th team in the comp. It was PNG. It was started with New Zealand, and then it became PNG, and then you advocated for Perth. But PNG have listened to the pod and have now launched a bid to become the 18th NRL team. I think it's great news. Good on them. It's fantastic. Let me just get this straight. You went from New Zealand, second New Zealand team, to PNG, to Perth. Are you now back on the PNG? I think open? I might be going to Kangaroo Island next. <laughs> <laughs> You've done all of that. You've got all I've around, got around the South Pacific yep. in, in the last four weeks. Staying on the theme of the emerging nations, Samoa have ruled out the Johns brothers as coaches, and they've decided to stick with Matt Parrish. What are your thoughts on this one? Gee, well, if that's if Matt Parrish is working for them, uh, that's fine. I think you don't necessarily just employ the Johns boys because they're the Johns boys. Like, but if they had a need to get them, then they probably should. But they're very clever, right? They, they, they'd be they'd be. They draw, they draw a profile to the sport over there, presumably, as well. All right. Tui Kamakamika. He's received a nine-match ban from the NRL. 
despite having his case dismissed by the courts in Queensland. It is retrospective, and he is available after round nine. So the time he's already not been playing is counted towards the suspension. And he copped a 10K fine, but he's been fa- it's, the charges have been dismissed in Queensland. What are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are, does that, if he's innocent of the charges... I, I don't know whether he's innocent so much as the charges have been dropped. Dropped or dismissed, I've, I, I'm not quite sure on the technicality. Well, I suppose then from a but, legal... But, the, yeah. but Andrew Abdo has said that the reason they've done that is because they've seen the footage. Okay, so then that's one of those, you know, legal versus bringing the game into disrepute type of things. Well, I just think, yeah, so I'm I'm supportive of this because I think you need a hard crackdown to stop this type of behaviour, but but, um, they are on dangerous ground, right? I think you bring up a great point. It's like, it's fine, but is that really going to work in every situation? You know, it's it's kind of, you're opening up a can of worms, I think, with that one. Footage is really bad. Then I suppose, you know, you've got to trust their judgment sometimes. No, we've seen that in the NFL sometimes where the leagues try to sort of minimise some of the incidents and then when you look at the footage, the footage is actually really bad in the NFL. So maybe, you know, the NRL's actually looking at the footage instead rather than whether the person's got off or not, you know. Last two stories. The Bulldogs had a great win this weekend after Mick Ennis came out publicly and questions the Dogs' high-performance chief, a gentleman yes. by the name of Dan Ferris. yes. And naturally, they responded with a win over the Roosters. Now, notwithstanding that, I actually think Mick Ennis has got a point. I mentioned it last week's absolutely. podcast as well. That you, did, you strike me as not fit enough. No, absolutely. I know Phil Gould denies that. but Of course he's going to say that. Because he made, they probably made those appointments. So he's not going to say, hey, our head of high performance is shithouse. We need to get rid of him. But yeah, I agree with it. I, I think Dan Ferris doesn't seem to... And his record of where he's gone... Yeah, it's not great. No, there's like a trail of unfit teams he's left behind. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, you know, so it's like at what point is it just he's the head of performance? I wouldn't call him the head of high performance. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. That was very good, G. Well played. Shall I bring you to my favourite news story of the week? Yep. Of course. They're always good ones. They are always good ones, G, because it is the NRL, the world's yes. greatest soap opera. Yep. This week... One man dominated the headlines. A man who this week chalked up, became the the longest period of time between two wins for any coach in the history of rugby league anywhere in the world. Yes. Philip Ronald Gould. Yeah, yes. Who, who had 33 years between coaching victories. He last week came into a video session, tore strips off Kyle Flanagan, and then said to Trent Barrett, let, let me at the boys for a training session. I don't even know what's here. Yeah, keep on going. Yes. Now, here's what doesn't happen. Yeah, here's what doesn't happen. Oh shit, Phil Gould. You know what? I love you. You're Does your boss best. come into the meeting that he's not invited to and just go, <laughs> put look at your staff and go, you're underperforming. Tear strips off them and then steal your presentation and then present it a completely different way to your staff. That's the equivalent of what Phil Gould did. Generally, no. That doesn't <laughs> doesn't occur. How do you think HR would react to that situation? You'd have to go through coaching for um, how to how to collaborate better, a coaching course. But he still got it. He coached them to their second win of the season, right? Bill Gould, he still got it. I don't know who the fuck's coaching the team anymore. It's great. It's like whenever they lose, he steps in and all of a sudden, you can play Kyle Flanagan this week. Then now he's like, let me at them. And then he's taken over the coach. I mean, 
What does he say about Trent Barrett? Or is he keeping Trent Barrett and around? Is this, the way, is this the way he's nurturing Kyle Flanagan back into first grade, tearing strips off him? I don't know. I don't know. That's the other thing. He said he was nurturing him and he wasn't quite ready and he's supportive. Gee, you won. But one, and it's not the first or the last time I suspect I'm going to say this. What the hell is going on over there? I reckon he's keeping Trent Barrett around because... You know, sometimes maybe Phil Gould just gets the coaching bug and decides to come down and coach for a week and then retires. (laughs) I mean, what the hell? It's like, you know what it's like? It's like one of these parents that watches the kids and all of a sudden goes, fuck this, I'm taking over for this week because the coach is away, except the coach actually isn't away, and then takes it over for a week and then decides to step back into the shadows again. It's like, either you do it or you don't. It's unbelievable. But he did a great job. Much better than Trent Barrett. The team did look a little bit different, so you kind of wonder how much influence Who's, he's having. A genuine question, genuine question. Whose coaching record does that win go against? I think it's, you know you know how in some sports, I think it might be the NHL, you get half wins. It's like a draw. Do, would you give Trent Barrett that much? It's like a draw in football, you get a point. Wow, I can't believe it. Philip Ronald Gould, coaching the Bulldogs. He's. Do you know what? I wouldn't be too disappointed if he just stepped in and started coaching them, because Trent Barrett's awful. I know you wouldn't. I I, I know you wouldn't, and neither would our friend Action. No. Are you excited about Magic Round next week? I am, yes. Now, why are you going to Magic Round so early? Because I've got to prepare the alchemy for the magic of the weekend. It's like witchcraft. Yes, correct. I'm actually flying up to manage Payne Haas along with Andre Ponga. Is, is Payne Haas and Andre <laughs> Ponga and Payne Haas? That'd be a hell of a party. We might see them up there. We might. Listen, if you're going up there on Wednesday, you're to scout the pubs that we need to go to. There's Fletch and Hindy are meant to be running one pub from midnight on Friday. Yes. That sounds like one we should be at. Yep. So you are sourcing the pubs. Okay. All right. That sounds like a, a, a good good idea. Okay. You've got 48 hours before the rest of us land there. It's just a little bit, little bit of a difference. Like I can go a couple of days early, do some work from up there, and just have a different environment. But I'm looking forward to the storm, the storm versus Penrith. It's going to be great. That's the main game of the weekend. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Which jer- you're going to wear your storm jersey? I will. I'll, I'll pull out the storm jersey. I'm, I'm actually packing three Parramatta jerseys. I, I don't think I'm going to wear a Bulldogs jersey. <laughs> just take a scarf. Do you think? Do you think it's got the same connotations in Brisbane as it does? No, it probably doesn't. No, the the, the Brisbane fans love their footy, so they they appreciate most of the teams. All right, shall we kick off round eight? Yes, we should. Uh, the game got to be right, quick and up, quick and snappy. We got to be quick and snappy. All right, first up, it was the Broncos against the Sharks, and the Broncos caused one of the upsets of the season. Yes, right? absolutely, they, and and it was impressive. It was an impressive win, sixteen seven win over the Sharks with Katoni Stags. Absolutely, it was it was earmarked as a state of origin battle and he absolutely outpointed Talakai, which makes me think um, Morgan Harper was more, <laughs> more the reason for his barnstorming first half the week before. Um, and Brisbane's defence was fantastic um, and they gave, they gave Talakai no space or time and Adam Reynolds and Tamare Martin, who's been playing great since he came back from that horrific injury. He has, um, he's guided, been really good. Yeah, guided the side around, side around. it was fantastic. It took a while to get going. Both sides made a lot of areas on attack in the opening quarter um, before a lovely piece of backyard footy from Matty Moylan opened the scoring in the 21st minute. Um, noticeably, full he, he'd noticed fullback Tamari Martin had already committed earlier in the play, so it wasn't where he should be. And Moylan dropped the ball on the toe and won the race to his own kick to put the Sharks up 6-0. But for me... That, old school Matty Moylan. Old school. 
old school Matty yep. Moylan. He's playing really, really well. There is a bit of a contract dispute going on. He wants two years. The Sharks only want to renew him one year at a time. But he is, he's absolutely worth his weight in gold at the moment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. The enthralling battle between Staggs and Talakai went up a notch in the 37th minute as the Broncos centre sold his fellow Blues origin hopeful a huge dummy, then fended away Ronaldo Mulatalo to make it 6-all. And then the Broncos and Herbie got a bit fancy and they dropped the ball and gave it back. And Nico Hines actually coolly snapped a long-range field goal on the stroke of halftime yeah. to put the Sharks up 7-6 at the break. But in the second half, there was only really one team in it. The Broncos came out of the sheds firing and added two tries in eight minutes after the break. Both came from some wonderful left-to-right-to-left left left ball movement that separated the Sharks' defence and resulted in tries to Herbie, the Lovebug, and Kurt Capewell. And they were up 16-7 by this point, and, and they were able to hold on. And I thought they held on comfortably. I was really impressed with their defence. What did you think of this one? And Tony Staggs, right, man? He, I told you he's the centre. He's the he's the he's who I think Brad Fitler. Should and be. I think we've talked about Talakai before, and he brings so much excitement in the centres for the Sharks. But if you can get him in space, he is a big unit. And I think the Broncos did really well in getting Tony Staggs coming at him from depth and with pace, and he kind of changed the game. And I thought the Broncos, you know, played with a, a far deeper backline and sort of really gave the Sharks' defence a little bit of trouble. What I what I thought is I thought the Sharks were a little bit off to some degree. The Broncos defended them quite well, and they weren't their usually sharp selves, I thought, the Sharks. And Tony Staggs added that touch of class to some of their finishing. You know, they, they also isolated their centres, the Sharks, because Ramian and, and Talakai are more robust centres, and Farnworth and Staggs... Are, are, are speedy and and quite quick. So, but I think they're I think they're quite good defensively as well. I think they might be the best. They're, 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 they're in the running for the best center combination in the comp for the Bronc- Those Broncos. They've improved. Centers. They've grown. They've been young and they've grown up now, and they're starting to become you know solid first graders. So, and I thought you know one of the Sharks' key attacking weapons is using Talakai Mulatalo, and I thought Mulatalo struggled to get around Cobo. I thought Cobo closed him down quite well. And defended him really well. Uh, um, man, if I was picking a man of the match, I would have said the Broncos' defence. Yep, their defence was really good. And always have a go at Gamble, but I thought um, Tyson Gamble played a very attacking and inspired game of footy. Well, he, he's been, the games he's played this year, he has been very attacking, right? But the problem is he's rocks and, de- rocks and diamonds. Well, this week there was diamonds, and it was a good win to the Broncos. Uh, Sharks not quite themselves, but I thought you've got to give some credit to the, like you said, Broncos' defence. I thought they defended well. All right. Let's move on to the Friday night games. Um, first off, it was the Panthers versus Titans. I really worried about the Titans in this game, but um, the Panthers were below their clinical best. Yes. Um, but the, the, yeah, Nathan Cleary basically kicked them and carried them to victory to an 18-4 win over the Titans at Seabus Super Stadium on Friday night. The Premiers in the Panthers made 12 errors and missed 53 tackles, but were still good enough to turn their first half half-time deficit of the season into their eighth straight win. Yeah. Um, in the opening exchanges, the Panthers mounted pressure with two line dropouts forced, but the Titans held firm. And, and I thought the Titans really tried. They worked their way into good attacking position early in that first half, but I think Toby Sexton struggling a little bit, and a couple of errors from him did take the wind out of their sails. The Panthers did get across the line in the 22nd minute through Dylan Edwards, but the try was denied by the bunker for obstruction. Four minutes later, the Titans were also across the line, but Sexton was held up by a desperate defence. It was a really uncharacteristically sloppy first half from the Panthers, and it really opened the door for the Gold Coast Titans, and they charged right through with a great team try finished off by Greg Marju from a Will Smith kick. 
um, to take a lead at half time. It was it was wasn't a great first half of footy. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Um, it did it, but it went up a notch in the second half. It took the Panthers once they it, it, they just kept them at arm's length, and then after half time they went right. We've got to win this game, and then they went back to sleep again. It took the Panthers just four minutes to hit their straps after the break when Cleary grubbed expertly for centre Isaac Tago to grab his sixth try of the season. Cleary's conversion made it 6-4. In the 48th minute, Cleary again came to the fore when he found Balemi Kikau close to the try line and then took a return pass to plunge over and the Premiers had raced to a 12-4 lead. The Panthers threatened to score again with 20 minutes to play when Taylor May broke into the backfield and looked home before he was run down by Smith and Tanner Boyd. Um, Tago went to dummy half and tried to barge over, was bundled into touch and the opportunity was lost. The Titans had plenty of chances inside the Penrith 20-metre zone, um, but their attack was out of sync and as we've said in the past, the Panthers' defence is the best in the comp. The only other team in Premiership history that's been as measly as this Panthers team is the 2007 to 2009 Melbourne Storm. And that's really what we're talking about, how good they are. Oh, yeah. The Look, Cleary then iced victory with another try assist, laying on a try for Jerome Luai with another deft grubber. Uh, and the Panthers are now 8-0 for the second year in a row. And they're the first team in history to achieve that. There was a couple of interesting changes with Corey Thompson back, Sarko being dropped. And Tanner Boyd, I, th- I think Tanner Boyd should start for the Titans at hooker. I think they really need him. And it took 20 minutes for the Panthers to score, like you say. And I thought the Titans harassed them quite well in defense. They charged up. They were enthusiastic. And I don't think the Panthers were... Panthers, Panthers didn't score till after halftime. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, but I, th- I thought the Panthers yeah. were quite... They were off. I think there was a little bit of that. They were off. They absolutely were off. Yeah, yeah. You can't be up all the time. And this was a game where they can play at 60% and win. The Titans actually played some decent footy at times, but the Panthers' defense was too good. So, and I think in this, but it was you know what for me though, the the, the Titans looked mechanical, like not free flowing, because they were trying well, to tighten the game up and yep. get you know they're trying to get their form back. So it wasn't eyes up footy; it was a bit set play, a set bit set play. play. And you can't beat the Panthers like that because they're defensively, no, even if their so. attack isn't quite well, defensively is still solid. And I mean, that's why they only scored four points, right? In the second half, I thought the the Panthers came out with a little bit more um, verve and a little bit more passion in the second half. And you know, then they came out and scored a couple of tries in the first ten minutes, and then went into overdrive. They didn't put up a score, but the Titans tried to hang hang in. But you know, I think that it was just the Panthers were. A little bit off, but professional in disposing of the Titans. And the Titans just ultimately just not good enough to really, really challenge them. But they didn't do a bad job. I could have. I thought they'd lose by 40, but they did They did well. I agree. All right. So let's move on to the Friday night Channel 9 game, and that was the Rabbitohs versus Manly. This was a controversial game. It was Cody Walker's 150th game, um, and the Rabbitohs ran out 40-22 to 22 win, win, winners over a 12-man Seagulls outfit. On the set, they, this game was played at Central Coast Stadium. Walker did score a try and laid on two others in his milestone match as the Rabbitohs overpowered a Manly side that battled. They were actually brave, Manly. Yeah. Carl Lawton was sent off in the ninth minute. Before I go through this game, I'll describe the internet, incident and then ask you your thoughts on it. Lawton lifted South skipper Cameron Murray above the horizontal and into a dangerous position and seemed resigned to his fate as he walked towards the referee Grant Atkins um, to learn his fate. At that point, I thought it was probably a 10-minute sim binning as opposed to a send-off, though. What did you think? I think that's one of these tackles where 10 years ago it was a great tackle. I wouldn't say he necessarily drove him down. It was just a, a bit of a hip tackle, you know, where he dropped the shoulder into the hips that went wrong and he kind of flipped him over. It was dangerous and ended up quite dangerous. Look, I'm probably like you. It's a 10 minutes in the sim bin and that's a sufficient penalty because I don't think there was any malice in it. 
but they're really trying to stamp it out. So I suppose a send off I can understand, but I don't. I think it's probably a little bit too harsh. But to happen so early, it really gave you know Manly. They were up against it to play seventy minutes with twelve men. Uh, well, I I agree with that, but they were brave, right? Yeah, so they, absolutely. Uh, after they got sent off, though, he they did they decide to take a penalty goal for a two 0 lead, a la the Newcastle Knights. But we'll talk about them a bit later. And mid- midway through the half, Manly actually. <laughs> Yeah, the Knights. Yeah, I, mean, okay. I don't know what they're They both took the there. time off, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So despite yeah, despite being down to twelve men and down two 0 they grabbed the game's opening try through Kieran Foran, and then midway through the half, Manly had scored a second when Jason Saab pulled down a Daily Cherry Evans bomb and got the ball down inches inside the touchline in the right corner. Um, and at that point, they were in front with twelve men, and I thought, geez, they're really having a red hot crack here. And the Rabbitohs still look disjointed. Yes, they still look disjointed. The Rabbitohs hit back in the 28th minute when Kaloa Matangi took a short ball from Saliva Havili and plunged over from close range to make it 10-8. With seven minutes remaining in the half, the Rabbitohs took the lead when a sweeping left side move was finished off by AJ, who had a good night. Um, Cherry Evans then launched his third 40-20 of the season. The Seagulls capitalised on field position with a try to Christian Tuopolutu after a brilliant lead-up by Foran and John Schuster. Foran is playing really, really well. And so is DCE this year. And just as the undermanned Manly side looked like taking a lead into the sheds, a mistake by Marty Tapao gave South a late chance and they grabbed it with a try to Isaiah Tass. Um, the conversion by Blake Taft made it 18-16 to the Rabbitohs at halftime. But what a first-half performance with 12 men by Manly. Yeah. Uh, in the, it was a little bit different in the second half. Thomas Burgess then produced a barnstorming try from close range, and I'm always amazed when he can hold onto the ball. Seven minutes into the second half, and the Rabbitohs had some breathing space at 24-16. In the 51st minute, Walker then scooped up an offload from Tass and crossed for a try to make it 30-16. But Manly still refused to lie down, and a penalty try to Cherry Evans made the score 30-22. Cherry Evans was leading the race for a ball in the in goal, but was impeded by Damian Cook, and the interference stopped the Manly skipper from scoring, according to the refs. A try to Murray in the 71st minute and another to Taft in the dying seconds put the icing on the Rabbitohs' fourth win of the season. The Sea Eagles find themselves 4-4 four and four after eight rounds and uh, Brad Parker did pick up an injury, but I thought the Sea Eagles were brave. I thought the Rabbitohs were better in the second half, but they still look a bit clunky to me. I agree with that. I thought the, the Manly, you know, they started off really well. I thought when they went down to 12 men, I thought they'd struggle, but they actually really were on the ascendancy and... Uh, you know, 10-2 up. They may cause the upset because South, like you say, were clunky, not quite in the game. And that's great work by Foran and Schuster. Schuster back in the team this week. And you can see he gives them a little bit of that extra ball playing ability and playmaking through the middle. And with Dylan Walker there, sometimes they've got four, five, six playmakers now. So it makes Manly's football go up a gear a little bit. And they went toe-to-toe with South. Like when South scored the two tries to Kolomotangi and then to AJ, I thought, you know, that Manly would sort of slowly start to fall away. And then they kept on you know they kept they kept up with South and went ahead. So, but I, I thought in the second half, I thought what happened is Mandy was slowly started to get tired. I agree with that. I I think that's and right. I think I South know. just slowly started to take advantage of it. They didn't blow them away, but I, like you say with Burgess, he went through, and then the tried by Cody Walker. I thought that was caused a little bit, you know, from their tiredness and having to defend with twelve men. And at 30-16, I thought South would run away with it. But like you say, Manly came back. They, they, they always had enough reserve to, to at least give them another shot. So they were quite brave, but eventually I thought they fell away. But I thought, you know, brave performance by Manly up against it. South's clunky, but when it's clicking, it's still working quite well. They're just not clicking. It's not for clicking a, for whole games. Not for whole games, no. They're they've playing got, in spurts. moments where it's clicking, but it's, yeah, it's in spurts. All right, shall we move on to shitty Saturday? 
Yes, we should. Okay. Although two of the three games were great. The shitty one was the last one. Um, so first up, for the second time this season, Sean Johnson snatched a victory for the Warriors. Um, the Warriors got up 21-20 over the Raiders with an 82nd minute field goal at Morton Daly Stadium on the first game of shitty Saturday. If you've seen one Raiders game, you've seen them all. Oh, yeah, the, the second it, half fall away again. Like it happens far out. Week, right? So, yeah. Johnson calmly stepped up to secure victory for his team after a late penalty goal by Reese Walsh sent the game to Golden Point. Now, that penalty goal, Matt Lodge looks like he milked a crusher penalty there. He absolutely like... did. I didn't think that was a penalty, to be quite honest. I agree. I agree. So, so Ricky, I, I thought Ricky was quite controlled after the game, focusing more on his own team. So, um, I don't, that, maybe Ricky's maturing in his old age, but he's, he has seen this story a hundred times. It was a heartbreaking defeat for the Raiders, who were the better team for most of the match, but have now lost their last five games in succession. The Raiders led 20-12 to 12 at halftime, but did not score a point in the second half, which is what G's been saying. They fade every second half. Yeah, it's weird. Um, for a year and a half now. Really weird. For a year and a half, it's really unusual. Canberra captain Jack Whiten and Kiwi test forward Joey Tarpanay face an anxious wait to learn whether they are charged by the match review committee after both were placed on report. For the Warriors, it was a stunning turnaround after their 70-10 to 10 Anzac Day drubbing by the Storm just six days earlier, five days earlier. And Dayan Arcee, as G mentioned in the news, had a debut to remember for the Warriors after joining the club midweek as a replacement for Ash Taylor. Despite only have one training session with his teammates, the former Cowboys playmaker had a significant impact on the result and laid on tries for Vilaya Army, Vialaya and Ewan Aitken. Canberra centre Matt Tomoko opened the scoring in just the sixth minute after halves Brad Schneider and Jack White combined to create space on their left edge. Errors and penalties proved costly for the Warriors in the early exchanges and an eighth-minute penalty goal by Schneider put the Raiders 8-0 ahead. Adam Elliott, who started the match at dummy half for Canberra, had the chance to put his side further ahead but was unable to hold the pass from Joey Tarpanay as he crossed the try line. And that proved costly in the end, right? That was the difference between winning and losing. A loose pass from Raiders fullback Jordan Rapner to centre Nick Kotrick. You know, Jordan Rapiner has one of those every game. After fielding a Sean Johnson kick on his own line, gave the Warriors their best attacking opportunity, and Ewan Aitken put Adam Pompey over in the 25th minute. The Raiders hit back almost immediately, with Shiner performing a run-around move with Elliott before linking with White, and who put Hudson Young through a gap to score in the 28th minute. A kick by new Warriors recruit Dayan Arcee caught Raiders fullback Jordan Rapana out of position. Why isn't Charles Nickel Klockstad playing at fullback? I guess maybe he was just looking for something more ideal from. He's been out for a few weeks though, right? Sometimes Jordan Rapana, he's one of those, and I love his his verve and his, he's his risk taker, but he's he has games where he's amazing, and then other games where he just yeah both hot and cold. So it was one of those games, I thought. Anyway, Dayan Arcee caught Jordan Rapana out of position, and Villami Vaila raced through to claim his first NRL try in the thirty second minute. And again, the, the Green Machine posted a quick reply with White and stepping out of an attempted tackle by Rocco Berry and pushing yeah. through three other defenders to give them a 20-12 to 12 halftime lead. Tensions boiled over midway through the second half when Ben Murdoch Masilla, who else, reacted to a facial treatment by Tarpanay in his first carry with the ball in the 58th minute. Um, <laughs> this was funny. Um, not funny, but, but funny that how it was reacted to by the referee, which was Warriors hooker Wade Egan could be heard through the referee's microphone telling Chris Butler, Joey Tarpanay, eye gouge, Joey Tarpanay, eye gouge. White and reacted by saying to Butler, Sir, see the elbow by Murdoch Masilla. Butler firstly called out Murdoch Masilla and said, Ben, you are getting the penalty. Don't take that out of my hands because if that escalates, you could be sitting down. 
Tarpanay was then placed on report with Butler telling him, in our opinion, what started that was a hand in the face, which escalates that, the facial. The so old facial, the old school facial. There. Old school facial. The Warriors scored the first try of the second half when RC put Aitken over in the 64th minute to give the New Zealand-based team a hope of a comeback. Halfback Sean Johnson then had a try disallowed just three minutes later due to an obstruction by Murdoch Masilla, and they were coming, right? And then Walsh eventually levelled the scores with a penalty goal after Horsberg was placed on report. He shouldn't have been. Matt Lodge absolutely milked it, and Johnson calmly won the match um, with the 82nd minute field goal. What did you think of this one, G? It was a good game. It was a good, decent game. I thought the Raiders played quite well in the first half, and I think a couple of those slip-ups by Jordan Rapana kind of allowed the Warriors to stay close. But I thought the Raiders were a lot better. They attacked with a little bit of sparkle. And, you know, when they were up 20-12 to 12 at the half after Jack White had hit back and scored, I thought, you know, that 12 points probably really flattered the Warriors. But it's it, it, it was almost like a couple of those errors, they, they scored off... The Raiders' errors, the Warriors, and it just kept them close enough for that second half comeback. And I thought in the second half again, I don't know if the war- the Raiders tire, I don't know if they're unfit, or they go back into their shell. I, don't, I, I really don't think it's a fitness and conditioning thing, because you've just sat down for 10 minutes. This is the thing, like, I, I don't know if they, they have a mental block where they're meant to grind the game out, but... It's, it's really, really odd. I find it really odd. I thought if they kept on playing the way they played, I thought they would have touched the Warriors up because they were making inroads and really busting their line quite easily, but they seem to go back into their shell. A great pass by Dejan Arce, who I don't understand why a few teams haven't looked at him, especially even the Raiders, who are lacking in their halves. And a great pass to Aiken, who, who can be a really good hole runner. Sort of gave them that 2018. And I thought, like you, the penalty at the end was ridiculous. But they got it. They kicked it. And then SJ, with his magical step and composure, kicked the winning field goal. But also part of me was also Corey Horsborough was charging out there, right? Where were the other Raiders trying to block that field goal? Were they tired or was he the only guy that sort of ran out? That's a good point. It's a really, really good point. Um, Really good point. Yeah, I didn't see anybody else there. So I thought that was disappointing from a Raiders perspective. But I think this is one that got away from the Raiders. They really were the better team, really should have won. They stood up today. And the Adam Elliott move to hooker kind of worked, although an interesting kind of move. So, But they looked better this week, the, the Raiders, uh, even in the first half. And they just got to address that second half issue. And I don't know if they quite got that right. But the Warriors snuck away with a victory. And like we said last week, it's great that they turned up with a little bit more passion this week. To show that last week was probably just an anomaly. All right, let's let's go to the second game of Shitty Saturday, which was Bulldogs Hour. This week's a happy time, so uh, it's 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 champagne instead of whiskey, it is yes, it's disco music. Uh, a dazzling double from Josh Adokar has led the Broncos to an upset 16-12 win over the Roosters at Acor Stadium. The Roosters have now lost the Saints and the Bulldogs in consecutive weeks, and I think the Roosters are in a bit of trouble actually. The Bulldogs were heading into the game on a six-game losing streak with their skipper Josh Jackson sidelined by COVID, but they did have an ace up their sleeve with a new coach, Phil Yeah, they did. Um, The secret move. Dug dug deep to stun the star-studded Raiders outfit. The Bulldogs struck the first blow of the night with a 14th minute when Josh Adokar caught the Roosters, who had a great game. He scored like 10 tries in his last 12 games against the Roosters. He's really up for the Roosters. He caught the Roosters napping with a short side raid out of dummy half and carried two defenders over the line to score. Come the 21st minute, and the Fox had a double as he took an intercept on his own 10-metre line and raced 90 metres to touch down. And the underdogs were up. Then the underdogs were up. Get that? Get what I did? Yep. There, were up 10-0. Yes. The Roosters were made to wait until just before half time to grab their first try when Joseph Suwali flew high to pull down a Luke Curie crossfield kick, and the score was 10-4 at the break. 
A pair of bulldog blunders in the second, early in the second half opened the door for the Roosters to hit back, and it was James Tedesco who skied through two tacklers to grab a four-pointer, and the margin was two. Replays suggest it may have been lucky as Angus Crichton lost the ball in the previous tackle, but the bunker can't go back and check the previous yep. play, so the try stood. That was a bit unlucky for the Dogs, but they didn't drop their heads at that no. point. They, they could have dropped their bundle. The Bulldogs 5-8, Matt Burton's second 40-20 of the season in the 54th minute, minute put his team on the attack, and Matt Dufty delivered a superb lofted pass for Jaden Ockenbaugh to score. Trailing 16-8, needing to respond, the Roosters instead put the kickoff out on the full and then conceded two six-a-cans, but they hung on courtesy of some great scramble defence by Kiri and a bomb defusal by Adam Kieran. With six minutes left to play, the Roosters launched their comeback with a try to Satili Tupanua off a Kiri kick, and the Bulldogs were left clinging to a 16-12 lead. Joey Manu then produced a miracle pass for Suwali to dive for the corner, but the young winner's foot went into touch. There was obviously a bit of niggle there. Yeah, did you see um, Manu and they're having a go at Matt Burden and Suwali as well? Yeah, so um, he's just a little bit of an experience from Joseph Suwali. He should have scored that. The Roosters then launched another raid, but Victor Radley lost the ball in front of the post and the Bulldogs hang on, hung on for a memorable win. I don't think Victor Radley will be in origin. He's not playing well enough. And the Roosters now sit 4-4 four and four on the season, same as Manly while the Bulldogs' second win of the year draws them level on four competition points with the Titans, Tigers, Knights and Raiders. Um, having conceded 148 points in their previous four games, 148 points in their previous four games, yep. i repeat that, um, the Bulldogs managed to keep the Roosters down to 12. So, great, great performance, G. But And I'm going to hand this over. You can spend the next... You've got six minutes and 11 seconds before the Zoom ends. All yours. I would say a great win, born out of determination and grit. I, I thought they had enough ball to actually, you know, score more points, but again they struggled to score and breached the Roosters defence and the Roosters defence was breached through a lazy defence that allowed Addo Carr to score from, from dummy half and also an intercept. So they really struggled to score. And we talk about the fitness too. Addo Carr at Melbourne would run ninety meters and look fresh afterwards. He looked like he was about to collapse after that intercept try. It was a great intercept fantastic to see the fox in full flight but he also looked tired after that run which is unusual for him so you know you do wonder about the fitness aspect of things but i thought the team was gritty i thought jeremy marshall king had a great game i thought the centers defended stoutly and really had a dig and i thought that held the roosters out and the roosters just a little bit i don't know a little bit sloppy at times you know the suwali bomb got them back into the game but i thought the matt burden 40 20 was huge and a great pass by Dufty. He's, he's, you know, patented, lofted ball over the top, hit Ockenbaugh, um, perfect. And he hit that at pace, which was great too. So oh, that gave them enough of a buffer. But when Tupanua scored, I thought the Roosters might sneak away with it. The last try to Suwali was just, to me, a comedy of um, ridiculousness. There was an obstruction, which was let go. Manu's pass was forward. And then he actually got tackled into touch. And I thought the Roosters might sneak away with a, with, with a win, but... It was a great win. They toughed it out and were really determined. So it was great to see a win. It was fantastic. I thought it was a gritty performance, but I also thought the Roosters were a little bit off. But the attack is still a problem for the Dogs. They have mountains of possession and really struggle to score points. But defensively is what's going to get you over the line. Yeah, defensively it was a good performance. Great job. Well Committed. Done. All right, well, let's move, let's move on to the last game of Shitty Saturday. And it really was shitty for the Eels. Um, as they lost 35-4 to to the Cowboys. Yep. This is a dangerous game for us always in... Darwin, we don't play well. You did say that. Um, I did say that last week. It was an it was a great defensive play by the Cowboys. It's more it's more like the Cowboys' conditions, Darwin. Yes. Um, and and Kyle Felt got a hat trick um, for the Cowboys. Reuben Cotter and Reese Robson got through a mountain of work defensively, and and Felt actually got his fourth hat trick of his career. 
to ensure that Chad Townsend would celebrate his 200th NRL game in style. And Chad Townsend, I've been wrong. He's been playing really well this year. Yeah. The Cowboys opened the scoring through a Val Holmes penalty goal in the 17th minute and produced some strong defence to keep the Eels at bay before grabbing the first try of the night through Felt. Felt's try came courtesy of a great long ball by Scotty Drinkwater, who's got to be the fullback now for the rest of the season, and took Todd Payton's men out to an 8-0 lead. Yep. With half-time approaching, the Cowboys extended their lead after Townsend put a pinpoint kick for Felt to leap high and complete his double. Holmes' sideline conversion made it 14-0, and the star centre then put icing on the with a great first half by nailing a 35-metre field goal. Our edge, with Dylan Brown moving to the centres... And Jake Arthur there was a complete yeah. They struggled problem. struggled yeah. to read the defense. That right edge, that right edge was completely shot. To Absolutely, pieces. yes, totally. Completely shot to pieces. That's where all the Cowboys tries came down. It was just and 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 people have come out absolutely gave it to Jake Arthur and it's nepotism and all that. That's bullshit. No, it's, it's bullshit not because we don't have the cattle. Who else is he going to play at center? They, you know, like they got to play a second row. We're going to have the same problem, right? It was worth having a de- gamble with Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown is an adjustment period, and then the defense was obviously either too compressed and or not quite. And they won thirty-nine to two against bloody Newcastle last week. Agree. So I don't, I don't think that's. I think it's just an adjustment with new players, new new right hand side defense, different reads, different positioning. They did well. It was fourteen nil, and then you know they kicked a field goal. Holmes kicked a field goal, uh, the thirty-five meter field goal to make fifteen nil at halftime. There was no coming back from that. For us. Six minutes into the second half, the Eels looked to have opened their account when Sean Lane crashed over, but replays, as with all Sean Lane runs, <laughs> showed that he dropped the ball. Yeah, of course. A wild pass out of dummy half by the Cowboys in the 52nd minute looked to have cost them a try, but Mitchell Moses knocked on as he tried to regather the loose ball, and the try to Will Penasini was ruled out. The Cowboys made their way out of trouble and stretched their lead to 19-0 when Felt completed his hat-trick after good lead-up play by Drinkwater and Peter Hiku. Bryce Cartwright came on with 18 minutes to play and he had immediate impact setting up Hayes Perham for a try. Um, Jason Tormalola is playing really well in the new role. He is, absolutely. He, he had 187 running minutes and then produced a trademark charge to put the Cowboys in the attacking zone again and Tom Dearden scored a fine solo try before uh, the Hammer celebrated his return to the side with his second try of the season. Um, that's about all I've got to say on this, G. We didn't deserve to win it. We always struggle with this game. Unfortunately, with our injury crisis, I don't think it's a one-off. Uh, yeah, Eels and Cowboys, T, I think you summed it up. I thought um, the move to drink water continues to pay dividends for me. The Cowboys are playing confidently in attack. And um, I think the initial pass to, to Kyle Felt was a great pass. It got around the compressed Eels defense with a, with a great time ball. I, I just think um, the second one was a great spot by Chad Townsend, a one-on-one kick that picked out Felt against Hayes Perham. And once the Cowboys scored, I thought that he was, it went up 14-0 and 15-0 at half time. I never felt that the Eels were going to come back. I think the right-hand side defense, as you say, struggled to contain them. And Chad Townsend had a great game. Now he can focus on directing. There's not a lot of onus on him to actually be the attacking spark plug as well, coming from Drinkwater and Tommy Dearden. You know, eventually the Cowboys just wore them down. I thought the Eels were sweaty. They were tired. And they were really struggling in that heat and humidity. Um, and you could actually see it. And I, I thought the Cowboys handled that quite well. And honestly, a little bit too good. A chip and chase by Scott Drinkwater shows his instinctive brilliance. And he's a, he's being allowed to flourish by Todd Payton. And I think it's paying dividends for the Cowboys. But you picked it. That the Eels would struggle. Yeah, yeah. And you know what they did in this game? I think they really struggled with the heat. You could see it take its toll as the game sort of wore on. And players slowly started to drop off or not run back and scramble. So a pretty easy win at the end of the day. But I think the Eels just 
got a few too many injuries at the moment, so we'll just have to see. They've just got to hang in there until they get their team back back up and well, running. Well, it doesn't get any easier this week. We're going to get tailed up by the Panthers, which I think Mrs. T is going to be very happy about. She would. Well, one of the games was okay. The other game was pretty shitty. Let's move on to Shitty Sunday. Yes. Melbourne Storm Mate. hammered the Knights 50-2 to two at, at home. At home. Newcastle were at home. I'm not going to go through every single try. They've now conceded... They've now conceded nearly 90 points in two games at home. They kicked bizarrely. This is where their mentality's at. They were 26-0 down at half, with a minute to go or a couple of minutes to go and chose to kick a penalty goal, which is where their mentality's at so they don't have a nil score against them. That was where their mentality was at. Made it 26-2 at halftime, though. So what? Look, the Knights made 52 tackles before they eventually touched the ball in the for the first time in the 12th minute. That's how dominant the Storm were. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go through every try. There's no it was point. Just, and they've only scored four points in two weeks. They scored 46 points in their first two games and have scored 46 points in their next six games combined. And their defense is abysmal. Adam O'Brien's role's got to be at risk here. They, they have fallen off a bloody cliff. I don't know what's happened because I thought the Knights, honestly, we talk about teams not quite being up to it or quite being quite spirited. I thought they were, I don't know if diabolical is the right word, but I wouldn't necessarily say they tried their hardest as a team in this game. You know, there was bad signs early on when Olam just sort of crashed through easily. And then the Harry Grant offload again where he, you know, there's four players around him and watching and then he offloads and coach scored. I think the interesting part about the next try to Jerome Hughes was... They got caught on the fifth tackle and coach just kicked it through because he got stuck. And Jerome Hughes raced through from 30 metres out with no one from the Knights anywhere near the ball. No one chasing. No one yeah, anywhere just... near the ball, like at all. There was no one chasing or closing gaps. And I think that spoke about their attitude to the game. I mean, really. Jake Clifford was so bad, he got hooked in the second half. I mean, it's not even worth it. It's like the Eels. They came out and lost to the Cowboys this week. The Knights are a little bit that team at the moment where you can't run a form line through them because they're so poor. Their effort, I thought, was disgraceful. And then Olam's second try where he had the ball, there's four defenders around him, then just shrugged four of them off without really even trying, I think spoke volumes. And the night, the, you know, and the Storm just pedal to the metal, um, 50, to, 50 to 2. I mean, they're clinical. I know you always say I talk about Nick Meany, but Nick Meany looks far faster and more explosive at the Storm than he did last year. So I think that speaks to their training regime. And same as Coates. I think their wingers look... It does. I just don't, I'm just not as high on Nick Meany as you are. You can see the physical difference in him and Xavier Coates from last year in, at, in the Storm system. And, mate, they were great. I mean, they got a tough trip up to Country Bank Stadium up in... Um, Queensland Country Bank Stadium up in North Queensland this week. The Cowboys are playing out of their skin. They're better at home. Um, maybe being away from home helps the Knights, but I, but that's a tough road trip. I'm not sure it's going to get. Yeah, I agree. I thought the Knights were were terrible. The defense and commitment was wasn't there, and well, they got so up. terrible you can't analyze either team. And the Storm just flogged them, so they should. They just flogged them. Like only one team showed up, right? All right. The last game of the round was the Dragons uh, versus the Tigers. Um, both teams were in a bit of form, right? Yes. The, the Tigers after beating Para and um, Para and Souths. Um, and it was only two late tries to Ben Hunt and Jaden Sullivan that helped them secure their third win in a row um, with a 12-6 win over the West Tigers at Wynn Stadium. Uh, it was a low-scoring contest until the 58th minute. The Tigers had it led 2-0 for most of the match before an individual effort from Hunt gave the Dragons the lead. And Hunt's been justifying his price tag the last few weeks. He has been, but everything's running through him, so he's kind of That's it's all right. on his That's shoulders. Right. That's right. From there, the Red V repelled four West Tigers set on their own defensive line before the injection of Sullivan late proved a 
masterstroke with the 20-year-old darting over from close range. The Dragons lost star Jack, 5'8", Jack Bird to a pre-game knee injury with Talatau Amone earning another starting opportunity and Sullivan coming onto the bench as a backup utility and Sullivan made a difference in the end. Both sides struggled with any real fluency in attack with errors and ill-discipline. Both these teams are kind of at the same level, right? And it killed off any real momentum. It wasn't a high-quality game for 60 minutes. Um, and in particular, the West Tigers had a lot of ball and a lot of field position and just, just weren't as sharp and as effective as they have been. Yeah, agree with that. A late try to West Tigers, 5'8", Luke Brooks kept the game alive despite two final chances for the visitors to level. The Dragons held on. 12-6 um, in the end to the Dragons. And they, they I think the Tigers will... Uh, was it a fair result? It wasn't a great game. It wasn't right? a great game. It wasn't game. a great no. game. And both teams, if the Dragons had lost, they would have felt aggrieved, and so would have the Tigers. And the Tigers are aggrieved because they lost. Uh, yeah, I actually think that's a good summation. I don't think either side played that well. I thought they no, they tried to... I always say the word grind, but I thought they both came at the game with relatively conservative game plans and tried to muscle their way to victory and be clinical about the way they played their footy. But the defence from both sides found it too easy to hold the other team out. So you had scores of 2-0 at half-time. Eventually, after 60 minutes, Ben Hunt, ben Hunt sort of went through from a, with a solo try, which just caught the Tigers' defence a little bit staggered. Uh, whereas if they had moved up in, in a line, they probably would have held him out. And then Jaden Sullivan, same thing from dummy half. And then after that, I thought the Tigers started to play a little bit of footy and nearly snatched the game away. In the last 10 minutes, where Luke Brooks scored a try when they finally got him into space and his kick, that he probably, if he had a hooked it a little bit further to the right, that was fumbled, he might have found a winger unmarked and they could have stolen a victory, the Tigers. But I thought both sides, like you say, had a chance to win. But I don't know if they necessarily played the right football to take advantage of those opportunities until late in the game. So I think they were almost both... You know, because they've won almost three in a row, so now they've got a little bit more to lose. It's a little bit more cagey football. So um, I think it hampered both teams as a result. And I thought the Tigers, if they had played a little bit of attacking footy from the beginning, might have been a little bit too good for the Dragons. But good win by the Dragons, three in a row. Um, a beautiful day down at win. It will stop at three wins in a row, though. Quite possibly. But, um, you know... Well, you take... they're playing the Storm in Melbourne. What do you think's going to happen? Storm by 30. So... Well, let's wait till we get to that. <laughs> okay. Not a good game, but a close one. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the NRL round nine. We are, I think we're getting a bit more punchy. We're getting we are, the yes, the, we are. The pod. So in terms of round nine, it kicks off tonight, actually. We're recording this on Thursday night, so G will have this out at Christmas. Correct, that's right. Um, Santa Claus will be making the Santa Claus Cup between the Rabbitohs and the Broncos. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Brilliant, yes, G, that's hilarious. It is. All right, Souths versus the Broncos. Souths are $1.25 favourites. Broncos are $4 outsiders. Broncos have 11.5 points start. I am tipping Souths, but I think this will be a reasonably close game. I don't think I think Broncos are good value at $4. I'm going to tip Souths, but not with any confidence. I think the Broncos might snatch this one. I'm surprised that there's 11.5 points start. Oh, I am as well, because I thought the Rabbitohs were clunky last week. Broncos don't travel well, so that's the reason why I'm tipping Souths. They're not great in Sydney. They're not great in Sydney, Bron this version of the Broncos. Souths are showing signs, and then, you know, you know, that things are clicking. I think they'll do enough. I think they'll yeah, do enough. I think that's probably the right way to, to um, summarise it. I think they'll do enough to win, but I expect it to be a relatively close game. I'm tipping the Rabbits. Yeah, okay. Well, I am, if you move on to the Friday night games, first up, and this game is virtually impossible to pick for me, 
It's the Raiders versus Bulldogs. Both teams are $1.90 and the Bulldogs have one and a half point start. I am tipping the Raiders and I'll tell you why. It absolutely would. I think the Bulldogs are playing better than the Raiders, but I think the Raiders, I don't know that the Bulldogs have got enough points in them to run the Raiders down in the second half, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Because I, again, against the Roosters, they scored one try. The one was lazy defense from Marker and Adokar took a great intercept. So despite possession, they still struggled to score again. Uh, but they, you know, their grit and determination got them to win. And I think the Raiders played a little bit better last week. They looked a little bit more freer. They played a little bit better footy. And if they get a lead up early, I don't think the Bulldogs will run them down. I'm actually tipping the Raiders this week. But I expect it to be a relatively tight game because I think the Bulldogs are quite spirited. And it depends. If Phil Gould's coaching this week, then... Who knows? But well, it could be, tre- chance, could be yeah. Trent Barrett this week. So I'm t- I, I sneakily suspect Ricky Stewart's going to be quite motivated against the Phil Gould side. Uh, I would I would assume so. So I'm tipping the Raiders. And at home, it's okay. cold, it's freezing, not pleasant. So let's move on to a game that won't be close, and that's the Friday Night Channel 9 game. That's between the Panthers and the Eels. The Panthers are $1.25 favourites, and the Eels are $4. The Eels have 12.5 points start. The Eels are not good value at $4. The Panthers have Brian To'o coming back. Um, and Moses Leota, um, our edge is in a lot of trouble and the Panthers' defence and their edges are great in attack. I think the Panthers will win this comfortably. I think the Panthers will win. I think they'll be up for this game. I don't think you're going to get a sluggish Panthers because they thought they'd, I think, beat the Titans relatively easily and they weren't wrong. But um, I think they'll be up for the derby with the Eels and the Eels have just got too many injuries, too many changes and the Panthers are just humming along and I think they'll make it nine in a row so the the Panthers for me this week unfortunately sorry T no I agree with you buddy let's move on to shitty Saturday yes. first up it's Manly versus the Tigers Manly are a dollar eighteen favourites the Tigers are five dollars outside and the Tigers have 14 and a half point start um, the Tigers are willing I just don't think defensively and offensively in their attack so I don't think they've got enough points in them to score I, 30, and I think they need to score 30 against Manly to win. I yeah. Think Manly, if they're anywhere, if Kieran Foran and DCE are playing anywhere near their best, they should get five tries over the Tigers. So that's why I'm kind of going for Manly. And they're at home. And Schuster. Schuster's back. So I, I think the Seagulls will trouble them. And I think Tigers, they're hard to pick. I think they've got to play the expansive game that they have over the last couple of weeks that they let they didn't play against Saints. And I think that gives them the best chance to win because they're spirited. But if they try to conserve you know be conservative with their game plan and and tactics i don't think it suits their personnel and i think they struggle so i'm tipping the sea eagles because i just think they'll be a little bit too good but it also depends on how the tigers play they beat south and para with some great footy oh i agree i, I it's not impossible that the tigers win this game at all i'm more confident in the way the sea eagles are going to play five dollars is a lot right i think that's a, I, again i think the tigers are good value i just don't know that they got enough points in them over yeah there. i agree i'm tipping whereas, whereas para and south haven't been fluent in attack I think Manly's problem's the other end, and I'm not sure to the Tigers' attack's good enough to put more than four tries. Good point. You're, they, they have Manly's, it's usually taken about 30 points to beat them this year, so I'm tipping the Seagulls. Yeah. All right, so um, next up on Shitty Saturday, it's the Roosters versus the Titans. This game will be closer than people think. I think the Roosters are in a bit more trouble than people think. Um, the Roosters are $1.25 favourites. The Titans are $4. The Titans have 10.5 points start. I think the Roosters will win in a close one because they have to be up for this. They have not played well the last couple of weeks. They, so I, I hope, well, not hope, but I, I, I think they'll be up for it. And I just don't know that the Titans have enough attack. Although having said that, the Roosters' defence has ironically been where their problems lie. Titans are really struggling with their identity. I, I think they've, by 
signing all these big boppers and changing their tactics, I don't think they've found the right balance over the last year and a half Mate, at they've all. Done, they've done what Canterbury have done with the Bulldogs, right? They, they, they've recruited an old school pack, this massive pack. They have. It's just not mobile enough for the modern game. It's not mobile enough and probably not mobile enough to the way Super Jimmy Dimmick and, and um, Justin Holbrook want to play. I think he's I think he's not so super. Yeah, I think super's going to be left on the table. but uh, And I think they've really struggled to adjust. They, I think they're caught between styles and, and identity. And I think the Titans are really struggling as a result. So I'm picking the Roosters because the Titans just don't know who they are anymore. One week they're playing for Fido, then he's benched, then they're trying to get faster. But what I would like to see with the Titans is to have Jaden Campbell, Brimson, uh, Corey Thompson and Jermaine Asako on the wings. I think that might help a little bit and give them a little bit more pace. But... Their forwards struggle at times. So uh, Roosters will be a little bit too mobile for the Titans. I agree. I, 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 think, I think the Roosters will get that one up. All right, the next game is the last game on Shitty Saturday is the Cowboys versus the Knights. The Cowboys are $1.18 favourites. The, Cow- the Knights are $5 outsiders. The Knights have 14 and a half points start. The only thing I'm certain of is the Knights will score two points. <laughs> I think, look, I'm tipping the Cowboys because I think the Knights are... Oh, really, Scoop? Really? The Knights, they'll score a try and they should win 4-2, but... <laughs> it's going to be a brave person to tip the Knights this week. Since Pong has come back, they're just getting worse and worse every week. And the last two weeks, they haven't shown up as a team. And that worries me in terms of attitude. It, it speaks to a few issues. Maybe Andre Pong is coaching the team in the background and we don't know. But Cowboys are playing too good in attack and the Knights are, are just struggling. They, they, I think the Cowboys will do them and do them easily. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, the, the two games on Sunday. First up, it's the Storm versus the Dragons. The Storm are $1. five favourites. Dragons are $10. Dragons have 21.5 points start. Is There is no world in which the Storm don't win this. I think the Storm are just playing way too well, too good. The Dragons, Jack Bird seems to be back this week. So, again, I don't think they're going to have an expansive style of footy to challenge a Storm defence. And the Storm rarely put in poor performances in terms of attitude. The Dragons won't trouble their defence and the Storm are just on fire with the footy they're playing at the moment they're playing with a variety in attack which is great and exciting you know I don't think they'll flog the Dragons but I think they might win by you know about 16 points um, this week but definitely Storm to win fair enough alright and the last game of round 9 is the Sharks versus the Warriors the Sharks are $1.25 favourites and the Warriors are $4 outsiders um, the Warriors have 13.5 points start. Again, I think this will be closer than people think. The Sharks are coming off a loss against the Broncos, and the Warriors did get one over with that Sean Johnson field goal over the Raiders. I don't think the Sharks will fade in the second half the way the Raiders did. So, And I think it was just an anomaly for the Sharks, which is why I'm going for the Sharks this week. I agree. I think the Sharks will win. Um, I think they'll bounce back. I thought they were a little bit off last week, just not quite at their usual tempo and attitude. And again, it's new for them, right? They're not the Storm. They're not the Panthers. So they're, they're going to be up most weeks, but they've got to try and keep that at and up and not have these lulls for a few weeks. So I think they'll be back this week. Fitzgibbon will get them up and um, fired up for the Warriors. And the Warriors just haven't quite got the class, but I like the signing of Arcee and, and Sean Johnson in the halves. I've got a little bit of skill. Ultimately, the Warriors just going to fall short. I think the Sharks have taken a step up in level and the Warriors have kind of stayed where they were from last year. So... Sharks for me. And at home as well. You know, people who buy the new apartments can watch the game from balconies instead of buying seats. Excellent. Good analysis, G. 
Um, so that brings us to the end of another GNT show. Um, we will hopefully get this out tomorrow. I do have a question for you. What's go, happening? Yeah. You're excited about the Champions League final with Liverpool and Real Madrid. I am very excited about the Champions League final. It means we get a chance to exact revenge on 2018. You don't hold a grudge, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I keep saying to our listeners that football is actually my sport, yeah. not rugby league. So I follow that really, really closely. Yeah, it's always great. I tried to get tickets. I wasn't able to. I haven't given up yet. Although I'm meant to be in a board meeting the Monday, so I don't know if I get tickets. I don't know how Saturday night from Paris on Saturday to a board meeting on Monday. That'll be where, where are you? Where are you? Uh, that'll be an interesting uh, Zoom call. Where are you? I'm celebrating with the Liverpool fans in the Champs Elysees. How are you going? Oh, 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 that'll be look. As long as we win, oh, look, we're still in the race for the quadruple, right? We got Chelsea next weekend while we're in Magic Round. Yep, big couple of so weeks. It's a big couple of weeks, right? We've got Tottenham this weekend. Um, it'll be interesting to see how City react to that loss last night. That could be a really de- demoralising loss for them. So Quite demoralising. See. Pretty big. They're really after the Champions League. And, you know, to lose in the last minute... I mean, they, they choked. I mean, there's... Emotionally, that's hard to deal with. So it'll be, they might be off for the next week or two. Well, we'll see. We're going to see. So I'm... I'm yeah, I don't know. And I'm really excited. It's going to be a big month. Rock and roll football, and to be honest... Uh, is Craig Bellamy is the Jurgen Klopp of um, the local comp? Yeah. Similar Gagan style of person, eh? yeah, that, that pressure, constant pressure in attack and defence and the speed of play. So, I hope Liverpool win for you. I'll be watching my Hammers play tomorrow morning against Frankfurt. Well, you away to Frankfurt. Yeah. yeah, it was a poor first leg. Poor first should've, leg should have been two all. Yeah, should have sh- equalised um, and, and gone. Uh, you know, they're tied, but. Um, Look, never but haven't been this far. Bad, but the away goals rule's gone, right? So you don't that's that's you don't have to worry about conceding to it. So we've just gotta be able to score a couple of goals which we struggled and hopefully we can get into the UEFA Cup final or U- Europa League final, whatever it's called these days. Changes its yeah, name every well, couple of weeks. So Well it's good to see that you don't keep your half assed analysis just for <laughs> It's just for, it's for the football as well, don't worry. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you once again for joining us and we we will we will be back next week, hopefully earlier than Thursday or Friday next week. Crazy time's over, I think. All right, T, see you next week. No, see you next week. Bye.